0: Uh, I have a uh, a question from a a friend he wants to know Bhante how could Arahant Angulimala transform from a mass murderer to an Arahant how how could Angulimala can someone grasp the Dhamma deeply despite such a dark past Mm. was there no guilt or shame for his deeds
1: (laughs) so well Yes, technically, uh, somebody can grasp the Dhamma, despite such like severe actions, like like what Guli, Angulimala did. But obviously, those are, you know would be far and few. Even back in the Buddhist time, when it was the most optimal time for the practice of the Dhamma, he was like one in a million. <laughs> mm. Far more people, there are many more murderers and people that committed crimes that that because of that it would prevent them from understanding the dhamma like the king who uh, who killed his father the previous king Uh, when he went to listen to the buddha and the buddha kind of uh, taught him the dhamma and everything and he was rejoicing and he was like very inspired but he did not become a Sotapanna. and when he left the buddha said oh it's because he killed his father if he didn't kill his father he would have got a right view right here right now upon listening to me but he didn't because of that so But now you might see, oh, there's some magical connection between, oh, he committed murder, thus it prevents him from the Dhamma. No, it's actually the reason that prevented him from understanding the Dhamma there and then when the Buddha was teaching him face to face, was also present there and then, that reason, because of which he did not become a Sotapana. The reason being, yes, he killed the father, but see, Angulimala killed many people. But then he was able to turn it around. So what's the difference between the two? Well, the difference is, uh, contrary to lack of shame and lack of remorse for what he did, Angulimala was actually able to take the weight of all of his actions, transparently, authentically, and feel the, the full extent of what he did, which most people would probably go mad if they were to accept it. Like everybody, you know, who, who basically who commits such heinous acts has to have some sort of excuse some sort of cover-up some sort of kind of uh, blurring of responsibility has to cannot take it upon himself no i did this and fully experienced the, the, the 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 entire extent of that action and that's why that king who killed his father did not become a sotabana he could not admit to himself he could not accept fully what he did the the weight because it would have crushed him. The remorse would have crushed him. I mean, his own father, who raised him and everything. So I'm sure he instead of... He came probably close to accepting it upon listening to the Buddha, but chose to, you know, double down um, towards his reasoning, towards his justifications for whatever reasons he would have done such a thing. Uh, well, Angulimala didn't do that. When he met the Buddha, when the Buddha gave him the short teaching, it sort of cut through all of it, and he was actually able to accept it. And that's why he was able to become an Arahant. It's that like, very drastic, non-compromising authenticity of taking responsibility for what you did, what you've been doing, how you've been acting, and infinitely taking that responsibility. Not like, oh, until tomorrow, and then tomorrow I'll become an Arahant or something. No, no, no. You don't know how long it will take. You don't even know you're going to succeed. That's secondary... First and foremost is you got to accept what you did and basically learn to live with it. So to speak without covering up, without always because of this, or I was in this state, or that state. no, whatever that might have been, those extenuating circumstances, still I did those things because I consciously chose to do them. And that is a prerequisite for understanding the Dhamma. And that's exactly the difference why somebody like Angulimala, who committed so many murders and, and, and who knows what else, was actually able to become an Arahant. And then some people who didn't even commit a murder, but were kind of immoral in some smaller ways, that prevented them from becoming even a Sotapan. Because they were, not, they, were, they were not admitting it to themselves. They were not really allowing the weight of their action to sink in. And you can see that in, in mundane examples, day-to-day life. Um, generally people avoid anything that would produce a sense of shame in them, guilt or remorse. Now, they don't necessarily avoid it beforehand, before they do it, but they tend to avoid taking responsibility after they've done such things through carelessness. So you act carelessly, you break the precepts, you misbehave and so on, and then afterwards you sort of have when you stop you have an option to now accept and feel bad for what you did and endure it for as long as it takes until the mind kind of grows out of it or you kind of turn a blind eye and then double down and continue doing more to just keep you keep yourself in that perpetual state of motion so you you don't have to stop and think about it what you did and that's if if that attitude is not abandoned if that's not changed there is absolutely no any no basis for any practice of the dhamma whatsoever doesn't matter how many suttas you read? How strictly you have to first admit, accept uh, the weight of uh, of unwholesome, and uh, if possible, even like confess it, confess your shortcoming, your 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 trans transgressions, like the suttas would say.
0: So any cover-ups,
1: cover-ups it's, basically, it's internal cover-ups. Like you have to bring them out to light. You don't have to let them in. Like you have to go publicly now and declaring to everyone what you did but you have to do it yourself and you also have to do it in a sense that if it were to be brought up, you will not cover it up. You will say how it is. There was that another example of a monk on his deathbed being ill and kind of... and, and uh, other monks asked the Buddha to go and see him because apparently he wasn't, he didn't even have the right view and he's about to die. So the Buddha goes and asks him and he says, yeah, like, you know, he still didn't understand the teaching. He's not a sotapanna, and... Um, and that's, uh, and basically he was like, um, you know, he was sort of remorseful and, 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 and a bit, you know, mental anguish. And the Buddha said, why are you, why are you remorseful? Because you, uh, you did not become a Sotopana. Is it because, you know, you did things by body, speech, or mind that you have not confessed, that you have not brought to light, that you have not made transparent? He said, no, 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 no. I've been, I've been pure, I've been behaving well, it's just that I still haven't understood the Dhamma. That's the sole reason for my remorse. And then the Buddha taught him the Dhamma and he became a Sotapanna before he died. He understood it. But that is a factor, that, that, is a factor that, that kind of uh, drastic uh, acceptance of responsibility, as we often talk about. I mean, we had many talks about the role of responsibility and freedom from suffering and so on.
0: there's a second part of this question it says I wonder why despite not committing such actions and earnestly seeking Dhamma I still struggle to reach arahantship."
1: there you go (laughs) that's the answer Um, you have to you have to and like if he's like well I haven't done anything bad Mm. it's relative you know for a small mind even minor little kind of infractions and actions can be more than enough to pollute it like the Buddha gave that example you know you put a you put a like I don't know a drop of dye into a glass. It's gonna dye the whole amount of water. But then you put a drop of dye in an ocean. It's not gonna make a difference. So you don't know how developed your mind is. But the fact is, if you're not getting the right view, if you're not progressing in the Dhamma, keeping the precepts means okay. So you need to you need to dig deeper basically. You need to um, be more more uh, serious with your sense restraint, more serious with avoiding distractions, more serious with kind of giving in to these little um ways out of of enduring the 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 pressure of withdrawal of saying no to centrality, and then see what comes up what's going to kind of what that pressure will bring something to the surface and then see what what mind starts revolving around what are you remorseful? And not in a sense, I have to go and deal with this before I can start practicing. No, no. You're dealing with this by bringing it up. You're dealing with it by not covering it up. And quite contrary to the uh, popular expectation, you are not actually trying to resolve it. You're trying to train your mind so it stops resisting it mm. while it's there. So you don't want to resolve it in that sense. When you bring these things up, um, again, as I said, you know, if it's like, Major breaches of precept that needs to be confessed, that needs to be con- con- uh, referred to somebody else as well. Just just you make it public in that sense. It makes a difference to your state of mind. But now we're talking about, you know, somebody didn't do anything bad necessarily, hasn't harmed anybody, hasn't didn't steal anything, nothing like that, but still not progressing in the Dhamma. So you need to start digging in further within yourself in that sense of sense restraint that will bring up various, you know, well, neurotic tendencies, to put it that way, your mind might resist that. It will, it will start to push you to, to, to make you act out towards sensuality or ill will and so on. Then you're going to start feeling guilty on a kind of things that are kind of irrational. And you have to go through that. It's basically like a, like a mind that has been caught or that has been sort of trapped. Uh, it's going to start to kick and scream and resist initially and, and throw everything it has at you mm-hmm. until it comes down. So that's the point. You're bringing all of that up. So to teach your mind how to calm down within these things that are assailing you. Not to calm down by resolving them and making them go away. No, because if you were calm while they're there, that's how they go away. If mind is calmed down within those things, within that pressure of responsibility, within the neurotic kind of... Uh, tendencies within everything else, like, the, the, like your thoughts wanting to make you act towards sensuality, your mind does not act, endures it, calms down. And again, the Buddha described it so many times like an elephant in the battle that's being prodded by spears, with whips, uh, whatever, thund, and it doesn't flinch. That's how you need to train your mind. That's exactly what it is. That's the definition of samadhi. So Angulimala obviously did that despite the weight of his actions, the weight of his remorse, the weight of his regret, the consequences of everything he did, everything was reminding him of what he did. I mean, people were beating him up on the street, throwing stones at him even later years. But he endured it all. And the Buddha actually told him, to bear it. Bear it. That's that's, that's basically, that's, that's the extent of a punishment. That's it. You're not going to have more because you have freed your mind to fully accept the responsibility for that. They then enable you to understand the Dhamma and the actual root of suffering and the way out of suffering. So the point is to train your mind within the container of these unpleasant emotions, weight of responsibility and so on. Train it in a sense of learn how to keep it calm without trying to get rid of what's sort of bothering you.
0: In a, in a so Angulimala whatever happened in his life uh, whatever pressure arose for him made him so angry so violent yeah was killing people he was doing a lot of stuff yeah. and so the only way to to uproot that uh, those tendencies of violence and anger and so on he would have to face that pressure which he
1: which he's been running away with his whole life yeah. that made him do such bad actions now not just that he had to accept that pressure he now had to accept the whole amount of the bad actions that he did on account of that pressure and he okay. did yeah. and so that the tendency to lash out violently mm. he did yeah uh, he has to bear that he has to bear that
0: yeah habit
1: ha- yeah of, of, a serious habit like yeah. habit that had serious consequences exactly so and that's my point see it doesn't matter whether it was something as as severe as Angulimala's case or some minor things you're doing, but the principle remains the same. Are you acting out? Are you distracting yourself? Are you covering up? Are you not enduring things on the right level? And by that I mean, see, you have an unpleasant emotion presents itself on account of something you did, or something you said, or somebody else did, or somebody else said. Are you trying to get rid of it? Are you trying to psychologize it, explain it? No. That's already acting out. That's already Learn how funny. to remain unmoved by it, <clears throat> and when you succeed well, then you won't care whether it's coming or going, that thing Mm. that's pressuring you, whether it's present or it's not present, because either way you're not moving without needing to to do anything on account of it, without needing to act out, without needing to to meditate and concentrate away, and none of that's necessary then, because all of that was done because you were moved in the first place.
0: he, He learned how to no longer crave or resist against pain.
1: Pretty much gotcha. he freed himself from that fundamental patiga, fundamental yeah. resistance yeah. towards his own form, towards his own state of being. So,
0: And thats I think his name was then... He was then called Ahinza. yeah.
1: Non-violence. The non-violent one. Because he was... Well, again, he had to s- so drastically develop the, the attitude of non-violence because of his violent attitude before yeah. that that became his defining characteristic. But, but that's the
0: thing. So even though why I'm not a killer I don't murder people and so on. Mm. but I, I get annoyed at mosquitoes yeah there's that that root of Same. murder resistance so yeah, yeah. yeah yeah the root that resistance I is.
1: get annoyed at mosquitoes or at um sounds sounds are bothering me what somebody's like saying or what I'm hearing is just bothering me as a, as a, as a neutral sound uh boredom as well Again, like I fear it. I need. I need something to do. I need something to keep me occupied. I can't accept my state of being for what it is. I resist it. I resist it. I become cranky. When I'm cranky, I lash out. When I lash out, I basically um, publicly, sort of, uh, perform actions that are unsuitable. Then I'm ashamed. Then I cover up the shame. Then I justify it, then I say it's because of this or that, then I continue, but continue perpetuating the same principle. So when next time it happens, same. You you go through the same motion, same cycle. You have to accept it. And even if it's not your fault, as I often say, initially you have to accept responsibility even for that. Because your whole life up to that point was about avoidance of responsibility. So now you have to accept responsibility for random circumstances and things that might happen to you that you, you generally didn't act out. But you will have to accept responsibility until it sinks in, in your mind that, okay, no, this acceptance of responsibility should not be moving me, should not be pressuring me, should not be uh, making me resist it and act out and trying to outrun it. The only reason it does so is because, well, because of the unwholesome habit of avoiding it through sensuality, acting out of ill will and distraction.